Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is a little different this week. Today, we're launching another new mini-series within the Women in the Middle podcast called Weekly Wow. Aren't you curious? Weekly Wow with Women in the Middle introduces you to real-life women in the middle who have some pretty cool and highly useful information to share with you. As you know, I'm a midlife coach, and I talk to so many amazing women between 40-ish and 60-ish. I have a pretty good sense of what you guys are interested in, which is relevant, and that's what we really need to talk more about. That's what Weekly Wow episodes are all about, topics that will make you say, wow, I'm glad we're talking about this. I'm not alone. So today's interview is a perfect one to kick off this new mini-series. It's all about how to have better sex in midlife in menopause and all, all of it. And my guest today is a certified sex therapist who's going to address some of the challenges and opportunities that midlife presents you presents you with when it concerns your sex life. She's also someone who's made a change in midlife and went from a stay-at-home, homeschooling mother of three to someone who went back to grad school and trained for five years to become a licensed couples counselor as well as a certified sex therapist. So essentially, Today, we have a real woman in the middle who's going to wow us with sex info. How great is that? <laughs> so on that note, please welcome Jessa Zimmerman. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Susie. I'm excited about this. Oh, that's so great. So Jessa, what a big change you had from a stay-at-home mom to helping women with some of the most personal aspects of their lives. How and why did you get started in this career? Well, like like so many things, sometimes I think our mess is our message. You know, I, I came out of a marriage um, that, you know, didn't work. I didn't have the skills that I needed to, to make that succeed is what I learned. Um, I'd always been somebody that everybody talked to and felt safe with. So it was a pretty natural choice to become a therapist. Uh, but early on in that training, we had a sex therapist give a module and she was talking about how most of her work, she considered it to be grief and loss work. And something about that just hit me like in the gut because it's true. People are suffering if they don't have a sexual connection with their partner. You know, if their sex life isn't working, you know, it's really right. devastating. And I, I don't know. I just sort of knew in that moment, that's what I wanted to do. So it's been a long process for all that training and, and licensing and stuff like that. But um, that's why I'm doing it. That's amazing that you had insight like that because I talk to so many women who are so confused about what they actually want to do. So one of the reasons I thought you'd be the perfect guest was not just the, the sex um, insight that you're going to share with us, but, but also that you had this big giant change. You had to make a decision and you dove into something. Oh, there's my little bird. And you <laughs> dove into something that was just super interesting to you where you knew you could make a big impact. Yeah, I mean, it was it was scary. I don't want to discount that. You know, it's 10 years or maybe a little bit more than that now. Yeah, I guess more than that. Anyway, it was kind of terrifying at the moment. But on the other hand, I had to do it because I had three kids. I'm getting a divorce. You know, it's 
you got to kind of jump in and do something. But yeah, that moment of clarity about being a sex therapist is one of those, that just hasn't happened to me very often in my life. You know, one of those almost lightning bolts of, I know something in that moment. So I feel, you know, fortunate for that. That's so, that so was great. a powerful experience. Yeah, that's so great. So what's going on out there that can make this midlife chapter so difficult when it comes to what's going on in the bedroom? Oh, that is, I mean, that's a complicated question. You know, there's a lot going on in midlife because first of all, you know, we're busy, right? I mean, that's a time when um, if your partner, which is, I guess, why we're talking about a sex life, um, you know, people have careers. Sometimes people have children. Life has gotten way more complicated than when you're in your 20s or something like that, right? So there's all kinds of demands and stresses. You're also talking about, you know, natural changes that happen with age. You know, every, it's not like every decade something specific changes, but as we get older, our sexual functioning changes, our responsiveness changes, our way of looking at life changes. I mean, there's, there's maturity in that, but there are also challenges in that. Um, and I would also say that, you know, we're coming into a, a phase in our life where we have at least the potential to really know who we are in a different way. So if you got, if you were partnered a long time and you picked somebody back when you were, you know, in your twenties or something like that, you're probably a pretty different person now, as is your partner. Your relationship is different. So there's this demand for transition or reevaluation that happens that can really be difficult. You know, some people ease right through that, but for a lot of people, it's bumpy. I mean, I, th I guess that's where, you know, this whole idea of midlife crisis maybe comes from is, is the idea that you have to sort of take stock and reevaluate and, and um, not start from scratch, but you have to sort of dig in and make it what you want it to be for the rest of your life. I totally hear what you're saying, especially about transition and bumps. And I think we just expect that everything is smooth sailing all the time. We do need to recognize that there are times in our lives when there are natural transitions and we almost have to honor them. And I love what you said, that if you are in a relationship with somebody that you've been, it's like when you have a job too long, you've been in this relationship it may be too long. It may just be long. But the thing is that people do change. And to add the, the changes along with physical changes, it's a lot of change. It's a lot of change. I sort of think of it, this isn't my language. I mean, I didn't originate this, but it's like we have comfort cycles in our life, in our relationship, in our job or whatever. We just get to cruise along, right? We, we get to enjoy the fruits of our hard work. But then we have growth stages. And that kicks off because we have a problem. You know, we got to dig in, we got to address things, we're challenged, we're out of our comfort zone. It's, you know, that's, that's what I think can happen a lot in midlife is you're in a growth phase where you ha you're going to have to work to make it better. And hopefully you get to a new um, comfort phase where you get to coast again after that. It's not like your whole life should be work, but there are definitely phases where you're going to be challenged, especially, you know, especially if you're talking about being in a relationship with someone else, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of moving, <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts. And the other thing that's so interesting is I can't um, help but focus on the word stagnant. And yeah. when my clients um, talk to me about some of the challenges that they're having, the reason they usually call me is because they are feeling really stagnant. And a lot of times they can't put their finger on it. But this whole idea of being stagnant is completely opposite from evolving. And yes. And we, it's kind of like we crave evolving, but we get into this whole midlife malaise, you know, where we're just not evolving. And I can totally see from what you're saying that, that um, the bedroom and everything going on in the bedroom can be part of that whole thing. Absolutely. And as I, now I, I want to add a little third phase. It's like we have a comfort phase where we get to coast and just be happy. That slips into stagnant. 
or neglectful or avoidant because we're being kind of complacent, right? Then that gets bad enough, even if we don't quite understand what's going on, that we're kind of forced into a growth cycle where we've got to do some work, you know? So, and you're right, I think a lot of people just feel sort of an unease or a dissettled, you know, unsettledness and they don't even quite know how to put their finger on it. And I definitely have clients talk that way about their sex life too. They're not sure what the problem is. They just know they're struggling. Wow, it never occurred to me that there might be a direct correlation between <laughs> career malaise and sexual malaise. And, you know, just the physical stuff that you mentioned, libido in particular, libido, menopause, and, and then women, you know, becoming older and wiser, growing into themselves. Um, that's a lot going on. It really is. It is. It is. It is. And then if you've got any complicating factors, you know, if you've got illness, if you've got medications, you've got children, you've got trauma, you've got, I mean, there's so many different things that life can throw you, um, some good, some bad, but that have an impact on your sex life and on your relationship with your partner that, yeah, it's, it's a lot. So um, when we first talked about this, one of the things that really stood out uh, was when you talked about some of these changes and challenges being positive. So tell me a little bit more about how these issues might actually be opportunities. Well, I mean, uh, what is the Chinese um, crisis is like challenge plus opportunity, right? Like, and that is how I see this stuff. Because while when people come into therapy, they're not often feeling hopeful. They don't see how any of this can change. They're feeling really um, almost trapped or confined or like the walls are closing in on them on this stuff. And one of the things I really want to help people see is it really is an opportunity. So if you can let go of the expectations you've got or this belief that everything's supposed to be easy or it doesn't take work or sex should be natural or, or I should just, you know, spontaneously want to have sex. Once you let go of that, there's a real freedom. I mean, there really is. The room gets a lot better and all of a sudden you can breathe and you can have fun again and you can remember what this is all about. So, you know, for instance, with libido changes um, and challenges, because I think all of us, all humans, will have our libido drop to some degree as we get older, right? And we tend to need more stimulation to get aroused too. So once you accept that, all of a sudden it's like, okay, how can I explore what it is I want and what I respond to? What's the environment I have to set up? What do I have to take care of in my life or in my relationship so that my sexual desire can emerge? You know, it becomes a process of sort of discovery and exploration again, you know, in a positive way instead of feeling like, oh, I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. Oh, wow. That really resonates with the mindfulness work that we do in this podcast and in with coaching. Um, because, you know, if you think that something's wrong, just because your libido has changed, when you feel that when you think that something's wrong, your feeling is that there's something, you know, hopeless or broken, like you said, or, or down or, or, um, I don't know, just like, not right. Yeah, and yeah. Th those feelings can just not help, and they—I can see how that would naturally come into just you know resistance or, or just hiding from the problem. Well, I mean, here's my. It, this is sort of interesting. We didn't talk about this ahead of time, but I have a book coming out in September, and it's about exactly this thing that I call the avoidance cycle. Mm -hmm. So, if sex lets you down, if it doesn't meet your expectations, mostly because our expectations are incorrect, <laughs> right? then you feel like a failure. You feel like you're broken. Something's inadequate. Either you are or your partner is, or maybe your relationship is wrong. That makes you start to avoid sex, right? Like, I mean, my clients will tell me it feels like this test that I'm going to fail, you know? Mm. So it feels risky. So they start to avoid it. But the problem is once you start to avoid something, your anxiety about it gets worse, right? And the pressure builds and there's all this expectation, like, are we going to have sex tonight? Or what's going to go wrong? Or how, you know, what if I disappoint my partner again? And 
And that just sets you up to have a worse time the next time. You know, it's just a whole cycle that feeds on itself. What a great topic for a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the book's actually about how to break that cycle. But yes, that's the, you know, that cycle is so devastating. And, and again, the root cause of it, these, these expectations that aren't helpful, right? The whole thing starts because you feel inadequate or broken. And that isn't true. <laughs> so as soon as you can sort of let go of that and start to explore, there's all this freedom and relief. And, and you really get to reinvent your sexual relationship with your partner. I mean, both of you get to do that together. So again, yeah. you don't have to go back, you know, we're not trying to go back to the sex life you might have had in your 20s. We're trying to create the best one you can have now. Oh, yeah, that really, that resonates. I can, I can see that, you know, letting go of expectations, expectations are thoughts. And, and the work that we do is that to understand yep. that thoughts are optional. Yes, yes, you do not have to take the bait, right? You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to attach to those. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I can totally see how it's a cycle. So how do you know when you need help? Is it a, a downward, like one of those negative spins that you're talking about? Well, certainly. If you, if you recognize what I was just describing, um, I mean, you don't necessarily need help yet, but I think that would be a wake-up call. Like, I need to have a conversation with my partner. Like, you know, that whole cycle is fed by avoidance. So walking into it and being willing to say, we're having issues, I know, we're, you know I'm not happy, or you're not happy, or let's make this better. So I would say, you know, listeners, you might think you need help if you can't have those conversations in a constructive way. So if it's too difficult for you to bring it up or you have those conversations and they end up in fights or you can't get your partner to engage with you because they're avoiding it, you know, something like that. If you're having those communication challenges and you can't get it addressed, you know, that's where a therapist can really help with the communication part. Um, I would say people likely need help if they are facing pretty significant sexual challenges. So what I mean by that is, you know, things like pain or sexual dysfunction um, or that high level of avoidance, those kinds of things can, you'd really benefit working with a sex therapist, you know, who can facilitate conversations about that and uh, who will have some specific strategies, you know, interventions to help uh, with some of the sexual concerns. And then I, I guess you might also need help if life has thrown you a major curveball, mm. right? If you're dealing with some sort of diagnosis or illness or loss or some other major stressor on top of the natural changes that happen at this point, um, you know, it might, you might benefit by, you know, either a therapist or some sort of a, a spiritual person or a coach or, you know, whoever it's going to be, a doctor even. Um, but you might reach out to a third person in that case too. You know, what really strikes me is that the first thing you said was how do you know if there's a real problem and how can you work on it? It's communication. Oh, yeah. You know, and here we are talking about sex and sex therapy and life changes and menopause and all that stuff. And it turns out that communication is one of the things that's at the crux of all of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, because you're talking about having to work this out with a partner, right? So, and again, that's, that's, that's a daunting thing to talk about sex. I mean, a lot of people... I mean, I've, I've had clients come into my office. They've been married for decades and they've never talked about sex. Not you know, and I have, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, basically, right. They've had it, but then things go wrong and they don't know how to talk about it. And sometimes just that first appointment, what, I mean, I understand what it takes them to actually come into a stranger's office and make this appointment with the idea of talking about sex, right? That's a, that's a big hurdle. Um, but just creating a space where they're going to feel comfortable to talk to each other can make a huge difference, you know? So I know that it's not easy for people to talk about necessarily, you know, it depends how you were raised and what you've um, developed since then too, but, but it's hard. 
Yeah, that's for sure. What do you think the most important piece of advice is for somebody that's struggling in this area, somebody who's just not happy with how things are going? Well, again, I would say the most important thing is to communicate with your partner. And I think it's most useful to do that with a positive intention, you know, of I want our relationship to be as good as it can possibly be. And I recognize that well, it depends what's going on, but we're struggling in our sex life. Or I recognize that you are unhappy with it. You know, be the, if, if it's your partner who's unhappy, maybe you could be the one that can summon the courage to bring it up, you know, instead of waiting for them. Or to say, you know, this isn't, things have changed and I need to renegotiate this or reevaluate or we have to work together on trying to fix this. Right. But so set the, set the stage of you want the relationship to be better. So put it in the larger context. Yeah, exactly. And, and certainly don't blame the other person. Don't come at them like you never done a, you know, you never initiate or we're not having sex enough. You know, that's, that's just going to most likely it's going to make most people defensive and that's not going to be a constructive start. Would you say that those two complaints are the big ones? Uh, those are two of the big ones. I mean, the most common issue that's, well, because it exists in every relationship. Somebody wants sex more than the other person. That's right. always true because there's no two people that want it the same. But that becomes problematic when people don't handle that well. So that is a huge complaint. And the idea that something's wrong with the other person for however much desire they have. <laughs> you know, so the, the person who wants it more thinks the other person's broken, like where's your natural sex drive? And right. the one who wants it less, well, they may also think they're broken, but they may look at their partner and think, why do you only think about sex? Why is it always about sex? What's wrong? Why do you want so much? So that, you know, tendency to sort of what we call pathologize each other mm. uh, is pretty common. And I guess along with that is a sense of who's initiating, right? You never initiate, or I always have to, or you initiate too much, or, you know, those, those are related to each other, I think. Yeah, I can see that. And what about the woman who wants to have more libido and doesn't, and she's just at a loss? What about somebody who's in, who wants to play the game, but just doesn't know you what know, to do? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that, because it's so important to understand, when we, when we talk about libido, I think what we're imagining is a spontaneous desire for sex. And that, so that's what I call a proactive sexual desire, right? That's when you, you get horny, you feel a sex drive, you have this libido, you think about sex, and you want to seek it out. But equally valid is what I call a reactive sex drive. So somebody with reactive sex drive, and it's, you know, half the people, um, doesn't think about sex. They rarely, you know, get horny spontaneously. If you ask them if they want sex, it's like, well, no. But what happens is if they start to engage, you get into sexual encounters, you start kissing or touching and you start to respond and you, you know, all of a sudden you're getting into it, your body's getting aroused and it's like, oh, now I want sex, right? So that's a desire that comes out partway through, right? Right. So what that requires, there's nothing wrong with that. You're not broken if that's how you work. So both people have to understand that if that's how somebody is, you have to willingly go into encounters to see what happens. Right? You have to create the opportunity for the, your desire to emerge. Now, both of you have to understand it might not happen. That's why a lot of people avoid that because they're afraid of what if I don't get turned on or, you know, um, right. but you, if you create the opportunity and you get going, you know, a certain percentage of the time you're going to be interested in sex where, you know, 10 minutes before, no way. So, you know, when somebody's really thinking, oh, I want to play the game and I just don't feel libido, I... I think you need to be, go looking for that reactive desire and how can you create the environment and the communication and the experiences that most allow your sexual desire to emerge. Now, oh, that's so good. And I can really see too that people can 
I have some pretty amazing women in the middle listening right now. And I, and I know that um, there's so much thought work that we can do in advance to also just decide how we want to feel yes. and think accordingly. So if we want to feel more open, if we want to feel more relaxed, there's some work that we can do in advance to create the thoughts to help us with those feelings. Oh, absolutely. Because the other thing is, you know, sexual stimulation is not just physical, it's mental. So you can entertain sexy and erotic ideas and you could you could read a romance novel you could watch or read erotica i mean there's all kinds of ways that you could stoke your own fire on purpose again it wouldn't come because you're starting out horny it would come because you're intentional about um, cultivating this you're create again you're creating the opportunity for it to emerge but you're taking an active role in it and I, I think that's important. Uh, yeah i love that you set the stage for that again with the backdrop of wanting to improve your relationship yes yeah. yeah, exactly. So I remember you mentioned something about a free quiz. Where can we find oh, that? Yes. What's, what's that about? Okay, well, I, I wrote, I created this quiz. It's called How Healthy Is Your Sex Life? It's 30 questions. And it's based on sort of five uh, criteria or pitfalls that I see in my practice the most frequently. So it, you take these, you know, 30 questions and you get back a score, a total score, but also scored on these five criteria and it gives you, a, you know, just a sense of the health of your sex life and level of concern. And it's, of course, followed up, you know, with emails about how to improve each one of those areas or what you might focus on. You're going to get my top 10 sex tips. I mean, there's a lot of content that comes after that. But I think it's, um, I think it's fascinating. So um, people can find that at sexhealthquiz.com or on my website, which is jessazimmerman.com. Oh, that's great. And I'm going to, of course, have your links on the show notes. So anybody wanting to get that information, just go to susierosenstein.com and click on the podcast and you'll find all of those links there. So Jessa, thanks so much for sharing all of this amazing information with my amazing women in the middle. One thing that's pretty clear is that we're not alone when it comes to this whole topic of sex in midlife. And I guess we really have to stick together. That's one of my main messages with the podcast. We have to learn from each other. And your insight and advice and just positivity and perspective was so inspiring. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. If you like what you've heard, just head over to Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review. Check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. You can also grab my free ebook, 10 Simple Ways to Bust Out of Your Midlife Funk. You might even have a sex funk going on. You never know. So while you're there, check that out. It will really help get you going. So let's do this, ladies. One scary but exciting and sexy thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>